0: Let's listen to Matt Reister, director of Christian Crusaders and the Cedar Falls Bible Conference.
1: Today we're going to be in John chapter 14 verses 8 through 14. Of course, this comes after verses 1 through 7 where Jesus clearly teaches that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one will come to the Father except through him. That's a critical teaching in scripture, and if you didn't hear our previous devotion, you should go back and listen to it. And before we jump into verse 8, I want to thank the family leader for being our 2023 Daily Dose Devotion sponsor. You can learn more about them in the announcements at the end of this devotion. And as always, thank you to the family leader for their support. Verse eight, Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Now, this is an interesting question from Philip because just in verse seven, Jesus told them from now on, if you know me, you know my Father. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So Philip's not just taken that statement by Jesus in verse seven at face value. He wants to see the Father. And if he shows him the Father, then Philip says, that's enough. We'll be convinced. Verse nine, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else, believe on account of the works themselves. So Jesus is explaining this very complex concept, which my ESV study Bible notes call the mutual in dwelling of the father and the son that is that the father is in the son and the son is in the father which gives us some more insight into the trinitarian nature of god and supplements the idea that there is one god in three distinct persons so jesus the son and god the father don't lose their distinctiveness even though they are mutually indwelling one another very fascinating And as Paul writes later in the New Testament, though we see through a mirror dimly, when we're with God in heaven, we'll see face to face. So, this is going to be a confusing subject for us, the Trinity, when we're in our earthly state. And I assume when those of us who trust Jesus are glorified in heaven, we'll have a better understanding of how this all works. And in verse 11, Jesus appeals to Philip, who is having a hard time with this, with a couple different approaches. First of all, Philip, you could just believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or if you're having a hard time, time believing me, believe on the count of the works themselves. What are the works? The works are the signs, the miracles, the teaching, the ministry that Jesus has done during his time on earth. And he just said a couple sentences ago that those works are actually carried out by God the Father through Jesus. So, Philip, either take me at face value or look at all the evidence that I've put before you for the last three years and take that evidence at face value. Either way, you should be able to believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me. Jesus continues in verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So this is another loaded sentence. So what do you mean, Jesus, that whoever believes in you will do greater works than what you've done? How's that possible? Well, the first step toward this is understanding what Jesus says next, which is that he's going to the Father. In other words, his ministry, his signs, his works, his teaching, they're going to stop after he's betrayed and arrested and crucified. They're within hours of this, by the way. After he ascends to heaven, his ministry here on earth is going to stop. And then something else. very important is going to happen, which is going to empower the people who believe in Jesus to do great works for his kingdom. That is, the coming of the Holy Spirit will happen a few weeks after Jesus' resurrection. And by being indwelled by the Holy Spirit, Christians will go out around the world over the next 2,000 years up to the present day. Millions of people will be converted to faith in Jesus Christ. The universal Christian church, that is, the body of true believers across the whole world from every tribe, tongue, and nation, will explode far beyond the number of believers that were part of Jesus' little group when he was there ministering in the first century. So when Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do greater things than me, I don't think he means that they'll do miracles that are more amazing, or they'll teach things that are more true, or they'll do signs that are more awe-inspiring. But he means that whoever believes in him will be part of this body of believers who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, who will do amazing works for the kingdom of God throughout the entire earth. And in this sense, whoever believes in him will do greater things than the works that Jesus has done. Moving ahead in verse 13, Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now that is a challenging verse to properly understand. And to get some help on how to understand it and how to explain it to you, I did a little bit of a Google search, came across a website that I've found to be reputable called gotquestions.org. I'm just going to read straight from their answer to this question. What did Jesus mean when he said he would give us whatever you ask in my name? I thought this was a helpful analogy. In the old American West, before the days of credit cards, the shopkeeper would maintain a ledger book recording the activities of each customer's account and the amount owed. The business owner knew his customers well and the work in which which they were involved. A customer would at times send others to the shop for him to make purchases and bring back materials needed for his home or business. Those sent in the customer's stead, like his children, would be able to receive the goods in the name of the account owner. But if they tried to purchase things not in line with what the shopkeeper knew that the customer needed or wanted, the purchase would be denied. Coming to God in Jesus' name is similar to those old financial transactions. Jesus holds the account and we are welcome to come to the Father in Jesus' name to receive what we need need. The Father willingly grants our request because of Jesus' standing and our faith in him. Of course, if we're asking for things that we don't need or that are contrary to the will or character of Christ, then we can't expect to receive those things. When he said he would give whatever you ask in my name, Jesus was not delivering a magical formula for getting whatever we want. He was giving us a guiding principle to align one's desires with God. When we pray in Jesus' name, we pray according to the will of God. We pray for what will honor and glorify Jesus. God will provide the means necessary to accomplish His objectives, and He equips us as His servants. Ultimately, God receives the glory and the praise for what is done. I'll put a link from gotquestions.org to that question and answer in the show notes. Come back for more next time. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day.
0: This is The Daily Dose, a podcast of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry. Please subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify Podcasts, or download the free Christian Crusaders app and share with a friend. Also, perfectly consider supporting our ministry at Christian ChristianCrusaders.org, where you can find our weekly 30-minute radio broadcast, airing on stations around the world since 1936, and where you can listen to our Conversations podcast featuring inspiring interviews with interesting Christians. Special thanks to our 2022 Daily Dose sponsor, The Family Leader. God designed three social institutions, the family, the church, and government. At The Family Leader, they are bringing all three together, honoring God and blessing our neighbors. Learn how and join them at TheFamilyLeader.com.